Hey, Jessica, how are you today? I'm freaking your Jessica out right now. You're looking at your radio or wherever the hell you are, your phone, thinking, how did I know that a Jessica was listening? I know. Anyway, welcome to the Interior Design Consultant Podcast. I'm Timothy. If you just discovered our show, welcome. And if you have been here, thank you so much for listening. I love you and your support. I have Steve here. Hi. Say hi. Oh, you already said hi. Steve is a professional photographer. He's been for 10 years now? Ish. Ish. 10-ish years now. And he is my photographer. So he does all of my interior space photography, if you may. And I thought it'd be really good to have him on the show because I don't know shit about photography. And I'm sure a lot of others don't because it's one of those industries that is kind of, I have to tread carefully because Steve will kill me. It's one of those industries that not a lot of people understand and don't think that it is an art and it is. See, I said it's an art. He's looking at me like I'm crazy. But I thought it would be really great to talk about 10 tips, maybe 10, 11, 12, 15. Some tips. About how to shoot photography in your interior spaces for your projects. Now, I know a lot of people, designers, use their phones. And yeah, I would I will admit that some iPhones have really good pictures. However, I don't think personally that you should use your cell phone of any caliber for interior yeah, photography. Yeah, no, I, I've seen what you tried to do. What do you, I've never used my phone for photography. Mm-hmm. Before I met you, maybe. And I've seen it, and it was bad. All right, well, you know what? That's why this episode exists. And if this episode exists before when I was starting, then it would be a whole different story. So let's kick it off with a question. Why do you feel that photographing interiors is difficult for some people? Because... A lot of people nowadays, with the advent of things like Instagram and Snapchat, think that their phones are wonderful tools. And, I mean, they are wonderful tools. A a good saying in photography is the best camera is the one you have with you. But if you are planning something, you should plan better. You know, it's difficult for some because they, they don't know the rules of photography. They, you know, someone's photographing an interior space and they want to highlight this cool table that you found for your client, you're probably going to put that right in the center of the picture. And that's literally the worst thing you could do. The worst thing you could do. The worst. Well, not the worst, but it is one of the worst things you can do. I mean, I I feel like it's difficult too, because it is, it is an art. I mean, like not everyone can be designers just as not everyone can be photographers. So it's like, it's an acquired skill set that you kind of have to learn. And if you don't, or if it comes natural to you, that's awesome too. But I think too that just the idea of buying a camera and learning how to use it kind of intimidates a lot of people too. It's extremely intimidating. I mean, look at me. I was I was trying to learn it not too long ago. Yeah, I gave you two lessons and you yeah, gave up. I gave up. I quit because I realized photography is not for me. But hey, what can I say? That's why we hire people like you, right? Exactly. Yeah. This whole thing is, uh, episode is really geared towards trying to get everyone who listens to understand that they really shouldn't use their phone for their their projects. And I think that's what this is kind of about, if you may. So talking about interiors, obviously every house is different. We have small houses, big houses, mansions. What is your advice on finding the right light to shoot interiors? Always make sure that, you know, let, let's say that we're, we're talking to a bunch of people who maybe don't know all the intricacies of photography. Like me. Yeah. So, you know, if you're photographing a room, if it's at all possible, you want to kind of time your, your photos. So make sure that they're shot during the day and that the light coming in the room 
isn't direct. So, you know, if you're photographing a room with east-facing windows, maybe photograph that in the evening when the sun is setting in the west, and then vice versa, you know, photograph the west-facing rooms in the morning. That's literally a science. You know, you want to be able to see everything. So if there's a bunch of light pouring in a room, that's where, you know, that's basically either going to be a blob of white where you can't see your awesome designs in a room where you can see everything else, or it's going to be where you can see in that little blob and then everything else is black because cameras are not as good as the eye. When it comes to your professional opinion, what is, what time of day do you feel is the worst time to, to shoot interiors? You have a lot of wiggle room with interiors. Um, probably the worst time of day would be to photograph at night, simply because you don't have any of that natural light just making the room glow. It's all got to be from the indoor lighting, which is fine, because as an interior designer, I'm sure that you picked out all the lighting and you want to highlight that as well. So it really depends on what you want to highlight. If the room maybe has a bunch of lighting fixtures that you did want to highlight, that would be a nighttime thing. But there's not one general rule for, you know, do not photograph a house during, you know, six o'clock in the evening or something like that. I would assume there was. No. Because, I mean, we're talking about making the light or having, you know, the perfect light in your space. So, I mean, for someone who's not really educated in, in photography, I would assume that maybe there's like at least some part of the day where you should just steer clear from. Not so much with interiors. Noon... Well, not technically noon, because, you know, where the light is highest changes on every, you know, every season. Uh, and just as the world rotates, if the light kind of looks ugly outside and it makes it look ugly inside, then don't shoot then. And that's usually where the light would be highest. So, you know, what you would think would be noon might be a bad idea. But then again, right now it's winter and the sun doesn't get very high. Yeah. What about window coverings? Like, should those be open, closed? Like, should you be able to see fully outside? Like, how? Do, well, obviously the blinds are meant to you know, not bring in as much light as possible. But like, for example, if you're looking at these blinds, if you were to open them, but not open them all the way up, like just turn them so that way they're facing to let the light in. Uh, Do you think that that affects it a lot? It would. You want to make sure that to understand with photographers and with photographing interiors in general is that for the images, you want them to look the way that the designer intends. So if you're the designer and you're taking the picture, you want to stage that room exactly how you want it scene for your audience. So if you have drapery and you want to make sure that that drapery is open and tied nicely, photograph it like that. Talking about staging, the biggest thing that I would say before taking your photos is to organize the space, you know, to make it look like it's in a magazine. What is your thought on organizing? Like, do you think that we're supposed to organize a certain way based on photography or kind of just, is that still like a designer individual kind of thing? Because I know that there's a lot of designers and I've done this before where we'll kind of organize a space on how we're going to deliver that to the client. But then when we're doing pictures, I'm actually reorganizing things for the picture. I would uh, I would organize it, you know, just based on the, on the image because this is what you're going to show to your clients in the future. This is what you're going to have in your portfolio. So if you're photographing a kitchen or a dining room, maybe put some food on the table. Just things like bread, things that don't have a, a lot of shine on them. So making it look like it's lived in. Yes, if that's the goal. If it's a brand new house, you know, and you don't want it to look lived in, you want the appearance 
of sterile, untouched living space, then, you know, keep it blank. But it, it all has to do with what you want to show to your clients. So do you want to show it lived in? Do you want to show the possibilities? Do you want to show an empty canvas? It, it all depends on what you personally want to show to your clients. I've actually seen pictures that photographers have done where it's of like a kitchen and then there's like a person in the background that's blurred out. There's like a picture of a kitchen or something or whatever kind of space and there's like a person like blurred out in the background. Do you feel like that's like a cool like addition to photos or do you know you should steer clear away from that because you're kind of getting away from the main focus and that's your work. Do not put people in your images. Unless it's a cute dog like a husky. That's why I said people. Oh. My husky can be in any images, but that's because human brains are have kind of a hierarchy. The first time they look at an image, their eyes will immediately go to any human thing there. They always focus on people first, then they'll go towards anything light, and then they'll go and they'll travel down from light things to dark things. So if you have a person in the background of your images, that's the first thing that your clients are going to look at. And you want to show the space, so don't put people in your images. And I think it also causes judgments, too, because I'm a very judgmental person. And for me, I would see a picture, and I, I judge even if there aren't people in there, but I feel like people are more open to, I shouldn't say more open, more up to judging things if there's, like, humans in there that aren't really meant to be in there. Basically, it's, you know, what I said, you, you want to show the space and just the space. Mm-hmm. Talking about you know, staging and what we shouldn't have in images. How do you feel about manipulating those images? It needs to be done right. You can't have, you know, you can't go too crazy and it has to look realistic. If you have, let's say like you wanted to show, I don't know why, but maybe you would, you wanted to show like some incense in a room going, you might not be able to get the smoke. You might want to Photoshop in some smoke lightly because you, you need to make it realistic. If you just stamp a little thing of smoke on there, it might look fake and that's all someone's going to look at. So it's good to perfect the images, make sure that the lights aren't too light, the darks aren't too dark, straighten out any edges. If you're going to stamp something in there, stamp it in right. Otherwise, you know, just make the image look good. That's the that, that, that's the big takeaway here. Yeah. So when it comes to designers who are taking pictures with their phones and they really haven't kind of stepped into the professional realm, if you may, not even really professional, but stepped into the using a professional camera or a semi-professional camera. Let's talk about what like what equipment we can suggest to them to at least get started on their, their path to getting more professional uh, quality photos. Okay. You know, the first thing I want to say is a, a, a camera. You can use auto for your pictures. You're not a photographer, so... You know, I, I'm not going to judge too hard, and I don't think anyone would. You know, I'll judge a, a professional if they're using auto, but my mom's learning photography. I don't judge her when she goes on vacation and clicks her camera into auto and takes the, her vacation pictures like that. And that's obviously if you want to get a, a DSLR, and that's um, the digital single lens reflex. So that's like the camera I use. Mm-hmm. There are point and shoots as well. You like, know, just Like a Kodak. Yeah. It would be a point and shoot. I think Kodak has some DSLRs nowadays. Any of these, like, Pentax, you know, most things have DSLRs and and point-and-shoots. You could get a point-and-shoot, and and that's going to be a step up from your phone just because, like iPhones, Apple got in trouble a little while ago because people noticed that they were softening their skin and not making it look realistic. And as a designer, you'd want your your space to come across realistic, Mm -hmm. especially if you have a textured wall. You wouldn't want that softened. 
No. And then the other thing that's, I think, really, really, really important is a tripod as well. Yes, absolutely. And even a good starter tripod. Well, actually, what I'll do, because there's, I mean, there's a ton of equipment that, that I think Steve could suggest, but what I'll do is I'll have a cheat sheet, if you may, of like just starter equipment, I think, that you could buy on Amazon. And of course, it'll be through an Amazon affiliate link. And I do have to disclose that. Well, not legally, but I'd like to disclose um, just that way you guys know that I do get a small fee if you purchase from Amazon affiliate link. But we will send you or you can download through the website next week kind of a cheat sheet on what equipment would be good to at least start off with getting better pictures through, you know, even semi-professional photography equipment. I think overall, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, you could probably get a decent starter basic uh, set of equipment for under 300 bucks. Absolutely, because there's there's not a whole lot that you, you absolutely need. And I'm just going to interject real quick. If you do use those Amazon affiliate links, I'm sure it would, Tim would really like that and uh, it would help out the show. <laughs> Other than a camera... All, all you would really need is, you know, a tripod. Maybe two would be good. You could get like one that could stand head height or so, and then a smaller one that you could put maybe on a on a countertop and you know do stuff like that. The the handheld kind of ones. Oh yeah, like the the hand tripods. But the other thing too is what what we actually wanted to touch base on is not really trusting your hands because your hands shake so much, mm-hmm. and you want to be able to at least position the camera in a way where. There's no movement because the more movement, your pictures will be very blurry or can get very blurry. So you could do the handheld tripod. It would be a monopod at that point if it's a handheld one. Or I mean, they do sell like the handheld tripods. But are you saying using that like handheld one so that way you don't have to buy like the giant ones? I would recommend both just because if you get a small one, that doesn't and you're hand holding it that's still hand holding it in photography. We actually have a rule 1 60th of a second. That is the slowest that you can handhold a camera without getting actual blur mm. in the image. And then to kind of jump back and still stay here at once, you are framing the image. And if you're handholding it, just you breathing and being a human and having a heartbeat is gonna make your hands jump a little bit. And it would be really nice if you know all of your edges were straight. So if you have a, a corner and a wall, you want that to be straight up and down parallel to the side of the photograph. Mm-hmm. So if you're handholding it, that might be off at a little angle and just look less professional. Yeah. And as far as like uh, people shooting, obviously with a more professional camera, you have the options of shooting RAW and JPEG. Mm -hmm. You would suggest shooting RAW because you could do a lot more with it. It's less compressed, correct? It's it's a safer bet as well. Mm. Like when we were talking about the windows and making sure that the light was coming in, but it's not too light. Mm -hmm. I actually did a a little blog post on this years ago where I shot the exact same image in RAW and in JPEG and I intentionally made a, a spot too bright. And if you're using image editing software like Photoshop, you can kind of darken just the light bits. With a JPEG, if it's pure white, it's just going to be a blob of white in your photograph. Blob. If you're using RAW, you can actually bring that back and get detail out. If you're photographing and there's a pool of light on the carpet, you can bring the carpet texture back in and see the color still if you're using RAW, but not mm-hmm. JPEG. But if you don't know JPEG or you don't know RAW, everyone knows JPEG, then uh, JPEG is the way to go, at least at least to start, because Photoshop gets a little pricey. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Photoshop is kind of crazy. Unless you know how to pirate, then it's free. But we don't advocate that here. No. 
we can't advocate that here. <laughs> um, we won't go there. But I pay for my software. I, I pay for mine too. Definitely a yearly price, a substantial yearly price. But also we're in, we're still we're in school too. Like I, we went back to school, so like we we also get it for free. Yeah. Full disclosure: I'm getting a master's degree in graphic design, so I actually do have my software legal and free from school at the moment. Yeah, and and I'm in school for architecture because I want to be an architect. So same thing, full disclosure, we don't pirate, that's illegal. Um, we do have free content from school that our school graciously gives us, which is pretty awesome because it saves us a ton of money. I'm wearing my school hoodie right now. I'm not. No, you're wearing a monkey hoodie. <laughs> a monkey from San Diego Zoo, which is the best zoo in the whole wide world. Actually, they have two parks, the safari park and the zoo. Correct. <clears throat> We've been to both, and they're actually really great. Anyway, getting way off topic. <laughs> but where can people find you and learn more about what you do? Um, I have two websites. The first is Studio J, which is jay studios.com and I also have my personal little website that I keep more casual and just kind of for fun and that is stevescreative.space cool so space is the actual extension and you you also do services in regards to editing uh, services for other photographers and other people you get the inquiries all the time for people wanting to like edit out like their ex-husband and crap like that but people can also hire you for that as well yep the, Which is good. And the, the price for that is usually kind of variable on what they want done. If they want yeah. something crazy, then either I can't do it because it can't be done or it'll cost a lot. And if they want just, you know, mm-hmm. touch-ups here and there, you want the angles in your interior photos straightened out and stuff like that, that'll be a little lower. Yeah, I was always told you're as good as your resources. So if you have the ability to work with someone who can enhance your abilities to do things, I think that that's pretty pretty cool. Absolutely. To have. With a photographer, their literal job is to make the client, a.k.a. the designer, look as good as possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Steve, thanks so much for joining me. Anytime. In my office space of course (laughs) well if you haven't yet please hit the subscribe button and share the love thanks so much for listening namaste bye bye